Cradeline Network. Yeah, how does it feel? How does that feel? Huh? Fine. I'm cool with it. You kidding? You want to edit this one too? I'm happy to do it. Conrad. I mean, look, I was (laughs) trying. I was just saying that I could wear the daddy pants, not that I should wear the daddy pants. Like, listen, I'm calling all the bluffs today, buddy. Oh, listen. (laughs) I I only do bluffs. It's my it's my one thing. Borag Thungerfliss. My name is Gungar, alongside of my friend Felmgerd, and this is the 0xe8 episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode will be covering 2000 AD for January 1999, progs 712 1991! To 715. This time, Fox is Conrad. And he wrote a lot of text, man. And I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Listen, will it be good? Will it be great? You'll find out, but I'll decide. If you want to read along with us, uh, you'll find the comics we're covering uh, today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 15, and Anderson, The Sci-Files, Volume 1. How's it going, Conrad? Pretty good, Fungar. I mean, Fox. Sorry. pretty excited for this year. Wait. Oh, God. You've confused me now. Are you Fungar? <laughs> Are oh, you Fox? No, you're, you're Conrad. You're... Listen, we were Felngerg, but now you're Fox because I'm Conrad. Oh, okay. Listen, Conrad. Yes. I'm very excited about this episode. I am going to talk about wrestling at some point and uh, make some witty quips. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> you going to say shit. Um, I will say in my in my Conrad ha- putting on my Conrad hat for a moment, Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, often at the start of our first episode of a year, I've given like a state of play or like what's going on Ooh. behind the scenes in the comics. Mm-hmm. But in deference to you taking the wheel on this one, I'm going to hold that off for next episode. I mean, I'll just wing that right now. A bunch of stuff happens that we will marginally like. There will be a couple of things that are enjoyable. And mostly we will have to slog through the 90s together in this wonderful oh, yeah. rainbow adventure. Now I'm talking more about like off screen, oh, behind the it. scenes stuff, I guess. Oh man, we're, I'm really nailing this. I'm so happy that I'm Conrad today. <laughs> Other behind the scenes stuff. Had a fair amount to drink going into this one to give everybody the full Fox mood. Very I mean, exciting. Listen, it's, it's not you Fox listen. it's not true. <laughs> we're going to have a good time, all right? <laughs> I am convinced. Uh, and speaking of having a uh, good time. Mm, thrill one, rogue troopster. Uh, this is brought to Trooper. us by... Trooper! <laughs> uh, it's Troopster. Thank you very much. I read, I read the the uh, com- comic book, right? That's what we read. Uh, anyway, script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Ron Smith, lettering robot Gordon Robson as uh, Kid Robson, or also sometimes Kid Robson. Mm. Uh, so listen, explosion. We enter the comic learning one essential and being reminded of a very key and important piece, which is things blow up and that is cool. And a cool guy like Friday is totally not looking at that explosion. 
No. Then we get a breast joke and a disabled joke in nearly the same panel. Uh, and some people apparently trying to kill Rogue from their plane with a big old bomb. They figure they mm. kill him and uh, disembark to scavenge the wreckage that he was already, uh, you know, scavengering. Yeah, there's some real 90s swearing going on here. Like calling people retards, etc. Not flat, into it, Fox. Flat-chested, which is like, I don't, I mean, all right, buddy. There's some banter, buddy. So much banter. <laughs> so, uh, while not immediately stated, Rogue does use a magic tech box that makes him look like he's dead on their, I guess, weird, is it dead machine in their plane? Uh, yeah. And then erupts from the ground in his normal, ah. <laughs> his normal, totally pro move, um, and does an ambush. The thing is, is that both groups fire at each other. Rogue's fine, but he turns them into goo skeletons. It's him with that goo grenade. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's just very graphic and very awesome. Um, so uh, he remembers our lovely lady Gaia that he met in our uh, last excursion uh, mm -hmm. with the periwinkle uh, uh, paratrooper. Uh, and the whole reason why he's been scavenging is because he's trying to get all this stuff together to help him go west to this magical island that probably definitely doesn't exist where no war happens in War Planet. Yeah, he's trying to Tom Joad his way across to, to freedom. You, you listen... Fox, you cannot Conrad me while I'm Conrad. Grapes of wrath is way across the country, buddy. <laughs> so listen, there's this plane. He's not going to leave it there. He's going to steal it. Hey, man, it's a free ride. But you know what? Turns out you need their eyeballs and you totally gooed them. But, you know, luckily he fails his retinal scan and uh, he's going to get thrust into space and get space marooned, which is a thing I would say if I was jettisoning towards... Uh, the like the dark universe, um, yeah. But but luckily he has this CPU override box. Um, but the aircraft yeah. is like super not into it, and clearly he's not getting the message because the computer is not okay with non consent. Um, uh, but I guess there's a special secret steering wheel underneath a thing, which he then like starts using to go from automatic to manual but it's mostly just yeah. for gliding and i mean good fortune has it that he just crashes a shitload gets wrapped him in a bunch of metal and uh kind of pulls his way out yeah he he, he he's got so row or friday i should say has this just this thing called a cpu that's it's it's a sonic screwdriver from doctor who or whatever it just kind of does whatever tech thing he needs it to do at that moment and so he turns off all the plane's systems, which causes a manual joystick to come popping out. And because it doesn't have thrusters anymore, it turns the plane into a glider, basically. I, I'm so just saying you should ask first before it. making someone pop out their weird steering wheel. That's hey, all. he did ask, and the plane responded by flying off into the I, stratosphere, I, I, buddy. Well, I mean, she said, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So uh, the one thing I do want to point out is that as he kind of erupts from from the wreckage of this plane, uh, you'll notice that he's bleeding red. And I'm really proud of those scientists for not going cliche green. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you know, they, they wanted to keep it at least like he bleeds like a man. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think red's better, a better like artistic color. You know, you kind of get that kind of heroic color scheme of the blue mm -hmm. and the red, you know. Blue and the green's a little bit more of a tweener color scheme, you know? Yeah, of course. I, I would have suggested orange just because it's blue's complementary color. Would have really popped. And if, 
You know? Oh yeah, kind of a movie, kind of a modern movie poster mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of uh, scheme there. I exactly. See. And who knows what Orange Blood does? That could do anything. <laughs> so yeah, definitely better than so, that purple stuff. I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> dropping those sunny D jokes. That's right. Um, I got him. So Friday begins to solid snake his way um, towards like some general oppression and. You know, this force that he's nearing, I'm just always going to call helmet men from now on because their helmets are really just the most important feature of their head and body. Um, And, you know, they're again, they're doing some general oppression, right? Uh, Apparently there's a thing or a person called the Golden Fox. Uh, They're pretty sure that I mean, I don't think they care whether or not they know. Um, But, you know. They turn uh, a bunch of people who are screaming not to kill them into people goo. But my biggest question is, why are you living on War Planet? Um, they can't leave, buddy. You can't I mean, just get on the bus and leave War Planet. You're stuck there. I, I'm just saying, like, you're going to get gooed at some point, right? Oh, but- yeah. No, you're definitely going to get gooed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um like Friday mentions this like as they're gooing these people that he's like oh the weapons they're using are really you know fudged up Ah. Um, and well my words but you know he just gooed a bunch of people like a couple pages ago yeah but it's different when it's combatants and you're using a grenade versus civilians when you're using some kind of goo beam fox (laughs) Goo beam is some oh man. I want to be the guy who invents a goo beam. Um, Listen, so also let's get Rogue to the garage. Rogue We're getting getting building. So good. So also Rogue gets caught uh, just because he had some weird special eyelids on, but I guess they don't have peripheral vision. Um, mm-hmm. But hey, you know now captured, uh, they're going to of course. I mean, as I would have a special laser beam that shoots at people's wrists that acts like a rope tied around your hands. Yeah, um, like cuffs. I love, I mean, real cool. And definitely that you have them attached to your tank for a reason. Um, your halo tank or whatever this is. Um, so listen, a bunch of people are fondling his stuff. They're fondling his gun. He's feeling real weird about it. There's some sentimental shit going on here. So, yeah. you know, you know what I'd do? I would press my secret glove button that I guess just fires the gun yeah. and your gun and remote. Conrad, so many brain, Conrad. An explosion of brain. Yeah. I who'd the, have thought the old man would have so much brain in him, buddy? <laughs> so the 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 stark contrast of uh, just to kind of pin this because I wanted to talk about it, just the stark contrast between what we just read with Rogue and this. This is like awesome, hilarious explosions of body parts, mm-hmm. whereas the previous one was just really dour. And yeah. uh, I'm kind of loving this G.I. Joe, but way of everything in your body will explode from goo lasers. Pretty all right with that. Nice. Hey, hey, Fox, can I give you some gentle correction about all this stuff right now? Absolutely, you may. The blue dude in this comic isn't called Rogue. He's called no. Friday. That's right. I, I I, mean, it's a hard habit to break, but you're right. He is Periwinkle Friday. Yep. I actually, I'm just... <laughs> no, no, no. That I'm is, just putting it out there. So, just because uh, I'm going to get emails about it if I don't. So, I, feel you know. like there's, I feel like there's some, some secret twist that I'm going to hit at some point. Um, 
So listen, he's got his gun. He's got his stuff. What's he going to do? First thing, of course, shoot shoot a couple of guys, blow up the mm-hmm. laser handcuff thing. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, explode that tank somehow. Definitely. Uh, and, and literally run into what he calls a nightmare forest. Mm-hmm. But the nightmare forest doesn't fucking matter because he starts throwing and he calls them mini thermals uh, on the ground. They're They're basically mines, right? Yep. Um, but what they do is turn the ground into the floor is lava. That's right. And everyone who's just chasing after him after, I guess, just a bunch of light shoots out, they get, I mean, eaten by goo. And then someone screams, we need a, a JAV or a JAV, and that doesn't come back in any of what we're going to read today. So yeah, don't know yeah, what that does. is. What? Does it? Of course it does. Oh, that is that the name of the... Fucking yeah, okay. that's the fucking giant r- uh, murder robo dog that's I, about to come down. I just thought that that was a thing that happened because let me tell you, yeah, the it's way the thing that, that they called the way that I introduced that is this: the comic then becomes the game Contra with a walking robo wall, but the feet have treads and just all of it is guns. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's the jab, buddy. As soon as I saw this, I was just the happiest person, Conrad. Uh, the happiest uh, fucking uh, person. A jack you up autonomous vehicle. <laughs> I feel like they missed a couple letters in that one. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's the future, so they got they talk real fast for some of those ones. I mean, you just want to make it sound good too, right? Yeah, listen, Michael Fleischer's built a lot of his career off of uh, three letter abbreviations, you know? Oh. <laughs> Is that a hot take? I mean, it's a true take just based on the number of three-letter abbreviations we're going to see in Rogue over the next couple of years. So, hey, listen, we're going to cut back to our boy Periwinkle, Periwinkle uh, Friday, uh, reenacting the first level of Contra. Now, here's the thing. He uses his mini thermals again, but realistically, what he realizes is that he could have, he should have kept that spread power up because spread is basically the best thing that you can use. Yeah, that's the, first the best level. gun, buddy. Ah, it's like, so good. If someone's trying to tell you, like, oh, you got to try laser or something, oh, that's, just, laser. that's just the kid who lives across the street from you trying to give you a reason to not get the spread. Okay. Are those people saying, like, hey, flamethrower is great. And I'm like, man, I don't, I just want to walk and press a button and not worry about anything. Yeah, give me that spread. So good. So listen, um, wall crab, wall gun robot, uh, I mean, he's continuing to pursue him, but he's putting on the most amazing light show and rocket parade. And I really just want to pull up this quote because this happens. Quote, ultrasonic wine emanating from the strange device. And once again, sound is clearly the most powerful of all waves and suck at terahertz radiation. You can eat my butt. <laughs> Go to hell, light. You're the fucking. <laughs> you're the fucking why of the waves. You're only sometimes a wave. Yeah, listen, man. We're all about sound here. We want to break some barriers. And you suck. <laughs> so listen. Uh, okay, so there's some explosions. He he meets up with you know what are ostensibly it seems like GI Joes, but in Hell Forest. Um, but before we get any more exposition from them, we cut to Helmet Men uh, meeting with Commander Smash TV. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I really love that you got that. And, uh, and you know, it's just a torso on a tank tread. <laughs> it's, I felt like it was so perfect. Um, so listen, he's pretty pissed that like whatever he's gonna kill a henchman right now, and so he presses this special yep. built-in junk wave button so that the person next to the guy who's getting his junk exploded can see that he can destroy you from the junk outwards. Whoa. That's what happens. Yeah, he, he totally Empire Strikes Back, this guy. Yeah, but from the dick first. And then yeah, out. No, that's how... Oh, so I guess he kind of space balls him then. Oh. 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 <laughs> Your Schwartz is sort of a, sort, sort of a combo, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay. May, uh, <laughs> so listen, we go back to the guy bro, the GI guy bros, right? Mm. And they teach Rogue one of the most important guerrilla tactics that you can ever learn. Always have an optical illusion cave. Just got to go behind this rock that looks like it's not something you can go behind. And then you yeah. get into your super secret, uh, you know, underground playset where, uh, you know, we meet Lady Body C-3PO. And the only question we have is we end Rogue. Who could this Lady Butt be? Yeah. Who could it be now? <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Conrad, how'd you find Rogue Trooper? Um, it's fine. Like, you know, I think we are, like, this is the first outing in the progs of this Fleischer mm-hmm. version of Friday and of Rogue oh, in sure. general. Um, I think it's interesting to see sort of, you know, um, you know, we sort of start off Friday with this real prestige oh, yeah. team, you know, writing by Dave Gibbons, art by uh, Will Simpson, I believe. And now we're sort of downshifting into this more workaday Fleischer and Smith team. Mm. You know, I, I like Ron Smith. It's pretty good. It's interesting to see him work in this color. You know, I'm so used to him as a black and white artist that I'm still coming to grips with this color work. Um, and yeah, basically interested with Rogue, I got to say. And this was something that I took away from the, uh, from the Rogue Trooper and you will. We talked about 1990 as well, which is that I'm really missing the chips, I think. Just in terms of of just like I kind of like being able to have a discussion about what's going on as things are happening and stuff. I, I think like, like in the last rogue that we just read, those chips would have been such a a different kind of character as opposed to an annoying yeah, near the end. If I that mean, makes I'm sense. not saying I'm not saying they have to be like asshole wisecrackers no, the way the original chips were, hmm. but I I would I do kind of like. The, if we're gonna have a mono, you know, if you know, I think I think we should have some kind of talking during the fight and stuff. And I'd rather it be Rogue and or a GI and biochips bantering versus just one GI's internal monologue, which I don't think is as exciting. Some I guess. levity to the whole thing, or at least like. Uh, a I mean, I just, I just, right? yeah, and I just like the, uh, I just like it being a conversation more than a monologue. Mm. I guess. For me, I feel like the art's doing a lot of heavy lifting, right? Mm. Um, because the text, it, it's like, I don't understand, or uh, like, this guy's a jerk, whatever. Like, I'm going to goo you. It, it's so uh, kind of like, it's fine. It's kind of moving things along. You're right, work a day. But like a lot of what's going on, man, I mean, a, a giant crab wall robot with like foot treads, it, you know, it was, it was a good explosion kind of thing where I, I if it was a more adult like G.I. Joe's, mm-hmm. it is literally idiot candy. 
Like that's GI Joe's, uh-huh. right? Um, sure. But I, but I also like snacks, right? Like, so this felt like that. And the biggest surprise being that, like, not even that a bunch of people got gooed or the guy who got ripped apart by the junk, but uh, Smash TV Commander, like, what and why? And uh, so there's some interesting things going on here that I that I like. Um, yeah, certainly well, not I like, like where I, I wouldn't put it at the top necessarily, but I wouldn't, you know, throw it throw it to the dogs. Yeah, Smash TV Commander is definitely real weird, especially just that he doesn't, even unlike the Smash TV guy, he doesn't even have a shirt on. He's just like a, uh, oh, he's just a dude. Got to show with that, a, like, even with, even with, though with you're tank legs you're, or whatever, um, one half man, one third tank treads, you can still do an ad I'd workout. Say he's, I don't I'd know. say he's half and a half, honestly. That's like, fair. Because while the tank treads are not super long, I do think they sort of have a lot of mass and internal workings and stuff. I want him to have a, a cannon that's coming out of his belly button. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, <laughs> we'll see him get some. He'll get. He'll have some changes as the well, situation about that. Re- requires as we go. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you. There's uh There's some. Oh God, I can't. I can't uh, transition the way that you do. Listen, we're moving on. And we're moving on to something very specific that, uh, something, something hunting. It's, uh, thrill to judge dread. Yeah. So this is brought to us by your script robot, Garth Ennis, uh, your robot, Carlos Escara, and, uh, the esteemed lettering robot, uh, Tomothy Frame. Speaking of mass murdering civilians. Oh, man. See, can't, I, I can pretend to wear the mantle. Speaking of speaking of hunting people down, <laughs> speaking I, of people being kept alive by complicated machinery. Oh man! Speaking of someone being turned into goo. That's right. right. That guy. Yep. That guy got gooed in a way. Oh yeah, he did, buddy. <laughs> so anyway, so listen. We open on Dread passing some judgment as he does, um, but the special piece de resistance is the inclusive uh, sentencing of vomiting uh, on a post, uh, mm. which is uh, mm, beautiful Dread. Um, so while issuing that information to Control, he's informed that, hey, listen, the next hour, your buddy, that good kid Yasa, he's going to be out of here. Cut to... Good kid Yasa City. I mean, you listen... I know you're going to miss those wide-eyed, pure fear stares, I guess. Well, I mean, now he's got his eyes back, so he can do it, you know? <laughs> and they're robo-eyes, so, you know, who God knows what they can do in terms of fear. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. But listen, we're not staying there. We're cutting to this New Year's party. Rap, 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 I'm coming in. Hey, man, come on in. And uh, listen, it's Death Aid. We're going to ice all of these people revelers mostly so i mean you know low stakes but the best part about this is you you kind of get this um uh aside into uh, uh chairman huntsmaster i don't know i mm-hmm. forget what he's called yeah but... i'd say like chairman of the hunters club yeah um and he's just kind of talking to his robot who uh I love this robot so much more than Walter because the robot literally does not give any shits. But, you know, he's going to do some exposition about like, hey, man, everyone's wearing these badges, you know, these specific badges, definitely plastic explosives, like (laughs) underlying underlining all of this while he's just sort of watching and enjoying the carnage. Right. Yeah. So we return back to Judge Dredd saying farewell to Yasa. Everyone's, you know, 
just having a good time, shaking hands, the doctor patting him on the shoulder and just, you know, you know, everyone's saying goodbye and the sweetest gift of all, a Cassandra Anderson smooch on the cheek and my dude, Woo! a bead is being drawn on the back of his head. And what is Dread see? Jesus Christ, it's the last sight. And it's not Dread that gets there first. This doctor, my dude, like, it's sad and I want to talk about his head exploding because it's an awesome image, that's the best doctor ever. Seriously. I mean, like, fucking do no harm. Jump in yeah. front of a bullet? Jesus. <laughs> like that Hippo guy. badass oath. I got right. <laughs> and so this kid lives, they shove him into the thing, and guess what? You got Cassandra Anderson there. You got Judge Dredd. She's going to sigh. He's going to chase. We're all ready for what's going on because we're closing in on the Hunters Club. Cut to the uh, kind of control room where they're just getting in a bunch of like single or or multiple homicides. But the real good shit is Magruder calling in and saying, what in tarnation is going on out there? And just like <laughs> just yelling at these dudes of like figure it the fuck out, which is so I, I love her character. I love her coming back. I love every scene that she's in. Um, so as we kind of cut away from that, we're back to, uh, you know, Huntmaster, Counselor, Chamberlain, General. And and he's sort of narrating over the top of, of these different kills, which are great, because we get everything from um, Death by Swirly to uh, <laughs> Spring-Based Mace to the Face, which is Oh my god, a sprawling, uh, uh, like, morning star to just, just an entire person. I feel like that's real class. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, so what I, and again, this thing keeps jumping. Even, so, even, even tossing grenades into the all-night acid house club. Take oh, that, Alan McKenzie. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it's, it's I, I love these kind of, like, kill, 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 kill. And, uh, like, we only get the name of one of these guys effectively. Um, but I love that that this kind of montage of murder uh, is super enjoyable, and uh, you know, uh, Scare is really playing up like the violence. Um, mm -hmm. But we jump again. We're we're racing after. Uh, uh, I think his name is Downer, and uh, Dreads on the bike. He's trying to shoot out anything that he can to stop him. Downer gets into a building and. Dread just ricochet maims him and just that's so awesome. But he's in a month's kind of um, production facility. And yeah, so he's, where, they, where they turn the plants into um, into edible goo or whatever. <laughs> edible goo. Mmm. People yeah. goo. Uh, and then goo. the coolest fucking thing happens, like the most video game thing, where he just throws a bunch of cash into the group of dudes who are working and is like, I'm being chased fight the dude behind me. And they're like, hey, no problem, man. They all grab their stuff ready to hit and like turns the corner, Judge Dread, and you just hear a bunch of screaming. <laughs> but it's, it's there's just one moment where Dread walks in and they see him. There's just a little word public that says like, oh no. And it's like the smallest <laughs> little thing. It's yeah. so good. Um, but you know, Dread's giving chase. The man's bleeding, really easy to follow him. But you know... When your when your uh, uh, leader is watching you effectively, um, and you've got a plastic explosive on your chest, and you really don't mm. want him to talk, and Dred's got him cornered, you're gonna want to wait because you're an evil genius until the exact right you know 
theatrical moment to explode him, <laughs> which yeah, he does. Definitely. Um, and my dude, uh, he explodes from the top upwards. So this is clearly, it could be an open casket, but only from like the waist down. Um, and after seeing this, of course, you're thinking like, oh, and, and seeing what comes next, there is just blood and guts and gore everywhere. Mm-hmm. Man, so I need to read this verbatim. Judge Dredd says he's alive, and I'm very proud of Mega City 1 for, I guess, just classifying life in a different way once you get exploded. That's neat. Yeah. But, quote, massive tissue and organ loss, shrapnel in the brain, every limb gone, and he's still alive. Yeah, he's lucky. I, it's, <laughs> Despite the big pile of limbs it is just, just leaving behind. It's just a people soup out there, right? Yeah. So... Dredd needs to talk to him, obviously, because he's still alive. And Conrad, the doctor, he's like, listen, man, I don't, I can't make this work in two hours, maybe like two months. What does Dredd say? Figure it out. He doesn't need <laughs> his legs to talk. Yeah. God damn, dude. <laughs> like, that, you know, he's got, a, he wants answers, you know? So, I, like, the coolest part of Dread happens in the next bit, which is just this kind of television news anchor. She's kind of talking about the murders going on, um, but, you know, kind of moves on very quickly to talking about, like, hey, right now the judges are kind of, like, on the ropes. They got to look like they're keeping shit under control. It doesn't look like that. Hey, mm. Democratic leader uh, Blondel Dupree. Uh, yeah, how would our you old friend from the democracy marches. Mm -hmm. I love how this end this ends because it's such a non-answer. They're like, "How would you handle it?" Basically, and and they would be like, or or how she responded was, um, "Well, I can assure you, we would have taken preventative measures." Yeah, as a man picks up a grenade in his toilet, which I like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very uh, very uh, how would you pay for all these social programs kind of uh, yeah. kind of questioning. We would have already planned for it, kind of stuff. I. It was just such a, it's so, it's on the nose, obviously, but it's also, uh, yeah, I just like the interplay that that's this heartbeat that's still going on in the background of, of what we're watching right now. I, I yeah, love definitely, that. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, it's the undercurrent of everything going forward, you know? Mm. So, hey, listen, back at Justice, we're getting mm. reports of, of hunters, they're pinned down, or otherwise, you know, they've just been vaped because they tried to rocket launcher an, an H-Wagon, which... I mean, like, come on there, buddy. So listen, we're we're going through all these, you know, these people are dying pretty much left and right. And the only person that we have left to talk to is this guy who's, uh, I guess, alive. And the moment that we see what this man looks like, small machine than man. Yeah, he's just kind of an eye poking out of a big, his, his like, he looks like that one box that all guys have in their closet. It's just full of wires and shit. It's just I, sort of one, one exactly. eye poking out of, the, out of the bottom of that. And this is like the best they could do in a two hour period is just like some of him and then the rest is just machinery that they've latched on and uh the first thing uh he says is what happened and then followed off by screaming in complete horror um man yeah. i i i love i love and fear judge dread uh or at least make a city once it's hard out there you know for sure so hey listen man we're getting we're getting pretty close with this chairman He's, you know, he's saying, okay, people are racking up points. I'm going to start having to ice some of these guys. I'm not really worried about it, right? 
Yeah, when, when, you kill, oh, when one club member kills another, they steal all that club member's points, basically. And I mean, he wants to steal all those points and, uh, well, we'll get there. But listen, Magruder's losing some patience. The hell are you doing? What's going on out there? We need to figure out what's going on. Dread interrogating the subject. He's getting close. He wants his lawyer. Mm-hmm. Turns out the man died by getting drowned in a toilet. What yeah, <laughs> which We've was seen him be be killed by the hunters' club previously. So so very good. Um, so I mean, hey, listen, Death Aid. It's for the kids, right? That's right. So, so ultimately, uh, Downer Magoo spills the bean. But as Magoo spills the beans, or uh, sorry, as but as Magoo spills, who blew away the New Year's crew, his brain goes askew. Final words: Screw you, man in blue. <laughs> There we go. I got my rhyme out. Um, Although, you know, honestly, like he should be saying "ack" because he's saying go to hell to the man in black, buddy. He only appears to be blue. You know what I'm saying? I'm snapping to that. I feel your slam poetry. So... Despite the chip, uh, the tip that that, or at least partial tip that that Dred's got, it turns out that the chairman has more than just a couple of fucking badges. We, he doesn't need no stinking badges. He's got mm-hmm. a literal nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. Next time on the Judge Dredd, a thermonuclear tomb for two, or Adam Bomb and Eve. <laughs> Kill the world. <laughs> Let them know it's murder time. Man, this is like, it's weirdly exciting. The The only complaint that I have so far is that it, it jumps nearly every page to a kind of a different set. Like one or usually one page, but it'll be like sometimes two where it's just like one, two, jump to a different scene. One, two, jump to a different scene. I like it. It feels very fast paced. But it, like, the through line, I feel like, lacks a little bit. But, I, you know, but my mm. opinion. But but how did you enjoy it, man? Because I'm, I, grenades in a toilet or swirlies to death is, seems pretty rad. No, I'm digging it. I mean, I, I do really like just the, uh, the fast pace switching from the different parts because it really makes it, I think that switching around a lot really does make it seem like, Action There's an movie, overwhelming right? amount of like violence going on at once. Like, it's not just one or two isolated incident incidents. Like there's just constant murder and mayhem going on from these death aid guys that the and judges have to deal with. And just so many threads going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I, and just uh, any time that you can throw in Judge Magruder for for me, I love you. Oh yeah. No, solid uh, solid Magruder action here. Always happy when she comes in. There's a really fun part where she is like thinking to herself out loud, but because mm. she talks in the in the oh, third person, right. the, uh, the, the judge on the other line thinks she's talking to him. And she's like, <laughs> no, what do you think we should do? And she's like, well, I think maybe. And she's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Get out of here. Yeah, We're talking up. to ourselves. So good. I, she's just such an interesting character. Since she's come back, I'm I like yeah I know she's a real weirdo and that's a lot of fun for sure. Speaking of real weirdos, man, mm. non thrills covers and nerve center. Ooh, okay. So hey, listen, buddy, I'm gonna tell you about Prog Seven Twelve. Rogue is back, yeah, buddy, and his lips make way for his teeth in this Ron Smith cover. And man, oh man, 
really gritting, gritting those teeth. Lots of bloodshot eyes. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I like this a lot. I think it looks pretty good. Nice. Yeah, no, it's okay. Like, I think this is definitely like Ron Smith definitely like went, went, went big on this one. Like he is definitely oh, yeah. trying to have a cool cover to try to match some of the previous um, Friday stuff that we've seen so far, for sure. Well, and this is like the big return of Friday, right? So, yeah. That, well, because uh, where we left off was him exploding his not dad, right? Right. And then kind of wandering <laughs> off into the... Uh, the rad Wandering set. off in, in the countryside or whatever, mm. you know. So, listen, I'm going to regale you with tales, my dude, in the nursery. Okay. Tharg gloats and complains about his New Year's party. We also get um, some kind of sneaky peeks into upcoming thrills. Nemesis, Deadlock, Slain, ABC Warriors, Nemesis again, uh, and uh, Third World War, which we've definitely never seen that concept ever done or brought up before. So pretty no, excited think... about something absolutely positively fresh. Well, I think that one's a reprint of... Um... Of a story from Crisis, as I recall as well. Sort Man, of. God damn it. Well, maybe it's good. So let's It's got its moments. I mean, it's it's Pat Mills and Carlos Escara. Like it's oh. got a good um pedigree at the very least. That's that's got me. Now I'm in. And it's got kind of some commentary about consumerism and shit like that, as I recall. Oh man. Oh, that that feels like late eighties, early nineties. I yeah. can get behind that. You know, we Listen. Someday we might do some do some do some crisis stuff, and we'll definitely get a sense of it through that for sure. So, followed are some lovely pieces of you know Mean Machine, um, Dao de Moto from Sticky Fingers. Let's okay. Don't know what yep, Sticky Fingers a, is. That's a weird one for me. Dao de Moto is an upcoming thrill that we'll be getting pretty soon. Cool. Um, Sticky fingers. Uh, and uh, we cap off with uh, Universal Soldier Art, which honestly I think looks pretty cool. Um, but, you know, that's not all. We got Rogue coming up. We got Anderson. We got Barton. Yeah. We got Indigo. We got Time Flies. We got Zenith. We've got uh, Skiz. I remember you bringing this up vaguely, and now I'm I mean, somewhat worried. There's going to be a Skiz part two, but not for a long time, I don't think. Okay. I don't know. Uh, is, and, that, is that mentioned there? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. And uh, yep. the last one is Finn, which, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, that one. Pre that one's eventually coming as well. That's more Pat Mills. That's sort of Pat Mills trying to do some different, different non-slain stuff for sure. Doing some, doing some stretching. See, his, see if he can get yep. some more literary, literary yeah. stuff out of there. So listen, later we're going to learn all about that Sega Master System, the Mega Drive. But you know what my biggest problem is with this whole, uh, definitely it's not an ad. Mm. doesn't mention uh, blast processing, man. <laughs> How do I know yeah, that this is going to blow me away? It's because blast processing is a, a hoax. Everybody knows that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a conspiracy brought on by the shadow government. That's right. Blast processing is making the frogs gay. There's my boy. Um, you know, at, at the back, or, or sorry, excuse me, further on, get a full color pick by Simon Jacob uh, of Dread living a, um, I mean, his real kinky lifestyle. Uh, all chains and nose rings and uh, with his quote, perp. Yeah, big old, he's arresting a big old mutant man. You know, they seem happy. As happy as Dread can be, I guess. Sure. Listen, in the back, 
we got some we got some letters. Uh, a kid tries to um, hipster about the red alert wallet from Prague Three. Uh, another mm-hmm. kid cautions about fathers with heart conditions reading the Prague's. Eh, cute. We also get uh, two pieces of art, which the I think the one that's very red is is simply Tharg by uh, Earthlit Andrew Smith, uh, and I have no idea what Tetley is. So Judge Tetley by Oliver uh, Doherty. Uh, yeah, Tetley is a. Uh... It's a reference to a mascot for a brand of tea in England. Tetley Tea had characters that were drawn like the way Dredd's drawn here. Riveting. So we... Uh, oh, sorry. hey, wait, 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 wait. Speaking dismissive. of riveting, you cut right past the uh, the Roxilla column in this one as well. What? Oh, God. Yeah, there's a mix column in, the, in 712. But she just kind of talks about random dance bands and ones that I haven't really heard of, so it's not really oh, worth getting into. Conrad, I did a bad boy for the for the show. I didn't burn, even see this. Burn on bits column. No worries. Let's keep going. I mean, let's see. Quick scan. Seal. I know Seal. Yeah, that's the one I knew as well. <laughs> so uh, we cap this off uh, with things to look forward to, number nine, and uh, more space on the beach. Uh, I guess there's no ozone layer, so there's a bunch of sand in London, and all right. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, just hang out on the Thames, have a good time. <laughs> See? You're burst. So listen, Prague 713. Judge Anderson gets silent in this dope cover by Mick Austin. Very Sigourney. Loving it. PSI you know? silent. I think it's okay. Honestly, um, I think I've got a problem with this one just because, like... Anderson's got, like you said, it's a kind of a Sigourney Weaver-ish kind yeah. of Anderson. Like she's got like brown or auburn hair that's really curly and stuff. Mm. So it doesn't really look like Anderson herself to me, I guess. You think maybe it was just to, kind of brought in as opposed to inspired by? Yeah, kind of. Like, I don't know. I just really I just really associate Anderson with having like that like bleach blonde hair, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's sort of a weird, it's not like a real canonical look for it. So, I think it's a good cover, but I don't think it looks like Anderson, is what I'm trying to say. Somewhat telling that the badge is covered up in this case. Mm. So, in the nerve center, Tharg gives us uh, some assembly line information, but um, Mm -hmm. we have a star spot for Arthur Ranson, um, whose best answer, in my opinion, was, when I I grow up, I want to be uh, mature but cute. Uh, nice. I I love. I just I love that answer. Um, later on in. I, oh please. Oh, let me let me say also. Um, there's a little joke that the uh, that uh, the Igroy droid is making, hmm. which is basically just it's like early 1991, and um, there's sort of and there's like questions in the government about who will succeed uh, Margaret Thatcher as prime minister. And so Igroyd's kind of making a reference here that they're thinking about Tharg doing it, but he doesn't want the job. I mean, Sorry, go ahead. who does? Oh, don't apologize for being more on point than me. <laughs> you know, whatever. Just trying to cover the whole thing, cover the yeah, waterfront here. So listen, we get on to bits. We learned about the Amiga 500. And while I did find reading this interesting, Conrad, it holds absolutely no nostalgia for me and no comparison. Uh, I got into computers much later. Um, But the one thing I will say is like, dude, no built-in MIDI interface. How am I going to listen to my jams? That's fair. Listen, you got to be like my cousin back in the day and just have a tape just have a boombox that you put next to your computer at all times to play music while you're playing video games honestly 
Pretty, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just, just fucking pump, pump Bob Dylan while you're playing Wizards and Warriors on the nest. It's good oh, times. Man, that's, you know? that's how we played Hexen. We we like bumped a bunch of like rock music while we were just shooting like ghouls with ghosts. Yeah, good times. So uh, you know, the letter page. We get an actual uh, true hipster cred buddy with uh, doing uh, talking about his bionic stickers and how they finally fell off. Um, mm-hmm. Fox. Fox, who is Conrad, uh, reads the words Sean cards again and again and again, and I I don't get it, and I'm sorry. What is a Sean card? What? Scan cards? Oh, maybe it is scan cards. Maybe I just read Sean cards. Scan cards. That makes more sense because we've had scan cards in the progs. Thank you. Um, But we get Judge Jumpy. Uh, by Earthlet Roger Stiletto, and I really love the um, kind of like the the shooting up kind of whoosh that he does with it. I think that's really neat. I don't know if Jumpy is some kind of mascot or character, but well, neat. Um, and then uh, from uh, Earthlet, uh, Jane Dinkelman, she drew a Tharglet, and I will thank you very much to not uh, make a sexy Tharg because I already have enough complicated thoughts. <laughs> I like thinking thinking about that. Yeah, Lady yeah. Tharg. It's it's gonna it's gonna make things complicated for me. Um, and we end on things to look forward to number ten with uh, the home surgeon kit, and it seems that in the future you get what you pay for. Even then. Yeah, let's just gonna take this gallbladder out, buddy. Oh god. Uh in Prague 714, JD uh tags a brute while admiring the tags on the wall in this Simon Bisley cover. I am not a fan of this man's shark teeth because it means he probably filed them down, and that is terrifying yeah, to me. One of those biters. Oof. I should say this is also uh Simon Bisley's last 2000 AD cover until 1997. So holy shit. Know, soak it in. Mm. I love Judge Dredd's like craggy face in this, by the way. Mm-hmm. That chin is yeah. Im- immaculate. So in the nerve center, Tharg basically tells us that uh, tells us about his work life, uh, which I already don't want to hear from strangers like talking to me about work. Um, so like why? Like, I don't know. Tharg's Tharg's day to day is not not of interest to me. Um, you may have a rosette, my dude, but, you know. Don't need highlights on how you crushed your Bud Light quota deliveries or whatever. Um, <laughs> man, that didn't, that made, okay. Anyway. Good enough. Uh, Come on. So listen, we also, I mean, I got a gush on Bisley making this uh, like a, a, a dread Batman comic. And yep. I would, I like, is, is this going to be a thing? Like, is it actually? Oh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna talk about it later in our 1991 coverage. You and me, buddy. Oh man, I am so excited! Like, I, I want pictures, please. Um, yeah, we're gonna cover the whole thing. So excited! So uh, we also get uh, a much needed nod uh, to Ennis for his work on Judge Dredd, um, and within the Blitz column, we talk about the Atari ST again. No frame of reference for this, Conrad. Is this an amazing computer? I just don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I, I just don't. Not hyped, but I mean, seems neat. I don't know what Pipe Mania is. Um, uh, after this, we get a full black and white page for Stand and Deliver with Brigand Doom. And, stand and Be Delivered. Oh, yeah. and Stand and Be Delivered. It's like, it is 
I am, I'm pretty, like, this is hype for me. I'm very excited for whatever the fuck this is. For sure. Yeah, Brigand Doom is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's the it's the last uh, black and white thrill, like uh, like natively black and or thrill that had to be black and white is what I'm trying to say. Ah. Like after this going forward, if a thrill is black and white, it's because they're actively choosing for it to be black and white as opposed to like just in the black and white section of the comic and stuff. Yeah, you've been we'll mentioning be how that's kind of coming to its end and then it's yeah, it just we're starts with to, choice. We're coming to the uh, the full color 2000 AD. That's going to be later this year. But yeah, we'll be, we'll be starting Brigade Doom next Prague. Well, listen, buddy. This man's next pointing episode, a, I should say. This man's pointing yeah. a double barrel at us. And do you know what the only escape is? What's that? Prague 717. That's right. Soon enough. So uh, in the letter pages, I'm going to just purposely call this person out. Damien O'Neill, you are a person that I care about because you just take the biggest dump on Harlem Heroes. <laughs> Wherever you are, if you, I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but like... He he's he effectively says like here are these good things and then you put Harlem Heroes next to it what the what the fuck uh, love ya we we agree in the future um, we also uh, get this really um, in, we get really enchanted with this like Judge D Light of the psychedelic yeah. division like is is D Light this is me also reaching again. Is this like a, uh, a character that I don't know, or is it more of just a personal? I mean, it's the lady from the band G Light, you know. I do not. I wouldn't dance with another. Boo. I do not know this song. A groove is in the heart. A groove is in the heart. That song. Drawing at like I, I maybe I've just never heard it before. It's from the nineties. We actually it was recent. It was I, I believe it was just recently the opening song to one of our episodes but Rat? if you if you look up like the song groove is in the heart and you find the video on like youtube you'll see the lady that looks just like this just like less judgy but you know still say <laughs> so, uh, it's a lady from a popular music video okay and band and stuff uh i like that's pretty rad i'm gonna check out that song right after this pop uh, culture we are also treated to a very delightful like uh what is it f- like five panel uh, comic slash advertisement from a from a, a reader sending yeah. this in. Judge Death Toothpaste. I like listen. It's laced with arsenic, and you'll be sure to go out with a smile <laughs> and have fresh breath to match. Yeah, a brush with death. Oh, it's it's so good. Like the puns, I like land each time. I it was really clever. I I really like this one. Um. And then, uh, once again, we end on things to look forward to, number 11 in this case, in which tiny aliens once again show up and, you know, tiny aliens, man. Classic future shock action. Oh, yeah. Shaking a finger, though. I thought that was pretty cute. Yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta do what you can with what you got. In Prague 715, Junker spaceballs its way into the cover by John Ridgway, giving us bleeps, sweeps, and creeps. Boop. Boop. Ah, oh, thank you, Conrad. I feel like I, yeah, anyway. Um, in the Nerve Center, Alan Grant gets a spotlight, and uh, we get good news on some of those sweet graphic novels. I mean, it's, what is it? It's like seven, eight, nine? 
Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff com- that's being released here from the graphic no- from the soon to be departed 2000 AD graphic novel division. <laughs> Cheesy Pete's. Uh, so <clears throat> in uh, in Blitz, uh, they light up my motherboard finally with the talk of hardware, giving the scoop on uh, the IBM PC, which I am yeah. uh, like I I actually uh, my father had one. Um, talking about graphics cards, which I only knew one of the ones that they talked about, memory and the big like, like, I don't know if you read through the thing, but they like them just saying like, listen, 512K, this is pretty normal, but 640, it's the new standard. I'm just like, it's very very much like, I mean, it is funny just because... I mean, this is what what ends up winning the piece, the uh, the personal computer war, mm-hmm. right, or whatever, like the microcomputer war. Um, and it is kind of funny they just talk about the same things that are today, just that you know a PC is really customizable if you know what you're doing and stuff like that. This whole and thing then, read like Tom's hardware. Yeah, and it's just fun. Again, like you said, it's always fun listening to uh, like like ancient tech specs are always fun, just I, in terms of like. It. Of like, not only like, is your phone a thousand times more powerful <laughs> than those computers, but even like, you know, I don't know if you saw, like they did something recently where someone managed to, or the uh, the classic IT thing of just getting any kind of computer to play Doom, right? Yeah. And like... Like I just saw one that was where they got um, a digital home pregnancy test to play Doom, and the what idea the f- that like what even like that pregnancy test is probably at least as like on par with these 1991 computers. You know, so I, I don't recall what it's called, but there is this um, kind of like this challenge that happens like sometime or or a couple time or sorry once a year or like uh, every couple years where the challenge is like make a game but you have to do it within the kilobit range mm. um and there were these guys who made a a first person shooter and because of how they kept recycling um how the information uh, was utilized like they they made a first person shooter that you could play in like 32k or something like that it was really nice it's neat anyway so we get to letters my dude and yeah so we get a guy, uh, he's he's likening Tharg to John Lennon, which uh, I, I have I have ifs and buts about. But we also get a, a kid saying that Simon Harris is the the, quote, definitive strontium dog artist. Yeah, that was that's a bold statement for sure. I, it's like that's uh that's bold, or or maybe he just like that's when he started reading. Like that's the only thing I can think of. I'm trying to do benefit of the doubt on that one, but very, very bold. Let's say, um, but we also get a a, a Thargo Odroid, which is a f- feet, hands, and a head, and like a a hand coming out of his Rosette of Sirius. I don't. Is this like a reference? I don't know. Anyway. The best picture of the of the entire month is uh, uh, Hooligan's Beer Gut, which has a giant yeah. in it. I love it. Ten out of ten. Definitely. <laughs> so uh, we end on uh, things to look forward to number 12 with uh, a flying school bus full of rowdy boys. Uh, yeah, all right. Flying up into the sky, these hover buses. Yeah. Conrad, listen. We just talked okay. about a bunch of stuff that I'm, I'm done with all of that. 
Do you know what I'm, yeah. I'm very much into? I'm into some babies floating over a pot of stew. I'm all about that baby, and I'm all about that baby in 303. Anderson Sign Division. That's right. Yeah, listen, <laughs> just like Macbeth, you've overthrown me to take control of this podcast, buddy. And now I'm here haunting you. I, please be an astral baby haunting me. Please be an astral baby. Please be an astral baby. <laughs> no, man. I'm, I'm going to be baby-sized, but still a grown-up Conrad. It's going to be oh real disturbing. Oh, my God. Like, like those old uh, um, like Jesus paintings where it's he looks like nearly a full-sized man with uh with maria that's right oh god some might say mary but yeah i guess oh, i guess it depends on where you're coming from no hey listen whatever come on so listen re up Script- my booze everybody i'm feeling real good <laughs> script robot here is alan grant and our art robot is david roach and our lettering robot is steve potter thank you all so much that was so yeah. nice and um yeah, I don't know if you want to use that voice for the whole story. Oh, buddy. hell no. Oh, hell no. This is Anderson. We need. I, I had to get my sillies out before this. Listen. Yeah. Open, you know, cold open. A bunch of hags magicking uh, up an astral baby above, I guess, what is a bubbling cauldron as yeah. they kind of the fates their way through uh, feeling out this baby and listen. The child. Yeah, I-, I mean, it's true. But where will we find her? Also, then the child kind of like evaporates and then there's a storm and they all kind of look at each other and they, uh, you know, hey, follow this storm, I guess, because that's where the baby's going to be. Right. So let's do that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. I mean, listen, I'm going to follow a storm after a, a, a baby evaporates in front of me, I guess. Um, yeah. Baby's look, on a storm. It's, it's probably... <laughs> Babies on the storm. Some say they've just been born, but now they're on their mother. Wait, babies on a storm. Judges on a storm. So good. All right, keep going, buddy. Let's go. So listen, we all know what this is. Probably some kind of weird prophecy in this big ass storm. But you know, who gives a even frick? Because. We are here with Cassandra Anderson. She's hot on the tail of Rom, who is also kind of a psychic kinetic lady, which we, you know, we kind of... Pyrokinetic, uh, yeah. Thank you. She is a a grade C pyrokinetic, which, I mean, listen, probably should have worked a little harder in pyrokinetic school. You wouldn't have been a grade B at the very least. I'm just saying, you know, like grade C, come on. that's, That's passing, but like... What's that pyrokinesis, you know? You can kind of light a Gentleman's pyrokinetic. Well, it just means you can light a cigarette, you know? Like, not impressive. But listen, her bike gets eaten by mud. She has to trudge through the whole thing. And she's like, man, I'm really hoping this storm doesn't hit. Storm immediately hits. She's really not having a good time. She is just, God, everything sucks. And then suddenly, psychic shit as a woman falls on top of her. I don't know what her plan was for this pyrokinetic woman, but falling on top of her. And yeah, she leapt down her from a height, buddy. No one expects that. I mean, yeah, but then she just falls on top of her anyway. Listen, Cassandra Anderson's a judge. She gets her footing back, but not really getting her footing back. The rock slips beneath her feet. She's fallen. Oh, no. But you know what? There's always roots to hang on to for reason. And man, this just is not her day. Now, of course, Rom's yeah. laughing this one up uh, as she's just like, listen, going to die, lady. I'm going to really enjoy this. So what does she do? She starts charging up her 
pyrokinesis, which I guess is not affected by water. I mean, look, it, it's... No, uh, it's mental. It's brain yeah. fire. It's not like like lighting a match or something yeah, exactly. like that. We're not, we're not talking about magicians and magic and sorcerers. We're talking about some some pure kinesis here. Yeah, but, some fucking eye lasers to but do you know, do you blast know what, these branches with. Do you know what doesn't give a fuck about any of your whatever? A goddamn boot knife. Saves <laughs> right. the fucking day right into your chest, but wouldn't you know it? It's just not her day. Root snaps, she falls backwards, collapses on the ground. Really hope that wasn't that like far of a fall, because I mean she did just recover from her entire spine yeah, being from her spine being shot. Yeah. Uh as some uh hooded That's why fakers. you wear a helmet, buddy. Come on. You know, everybody else does. Listen, we all watch that that Judge Shred movie. It it interferes with her psychic whatever. And also, I mean, when you have hair like that, no helmet can contain it. But hey, shadowy figures <laughs> will, looking up. Oh, please. I should say also, I think it's kind of interesting, like comparing um how Roach is drawing Anderson here versus like mm. previous versions of her, I guess. Like, I think she's got like a she's like um he's she, she she's definitely grown her hair out a bit and got more bangs and stuff. She feels prettier. Like especially with her face, she it feels like it's it's not as angled. If that makes sense, it feels a lot. Yeah, more yeah, yeah. She's got kind of a, a, a more more baby fat in her face or something like that. For one of a better term, like a real person. I, I'm a, yeah. I'm liking it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm just I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just oh, noticing no. that it's a it's a little different than the earlier um, Roach Andersons that we've seen. Oh, for sure. I'm trying to say, yeah. And, and uh, like I'm really liking I, just this whole the whole style of this thing, man. If if any of you can pick up that uh, side division or uh, sci files, um, yeah, sci files collection, like this is gorgeous. I actually really like it. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean the uh, the the the, ta- the the two artists that are sort of tag teaming Anderson right now, uh, Roach. And uh, Ransom are really great mm-hmm. artists and really great at drawing these characters. Or ten this out of character, ten work. For sure. So listen, there's some shadowy figures looking on. They don't help her. They don't do shit. They just kind of walk on by. And as she comes to, which apparently is three hours later, she sort of sees these people going into a ravine. They're very strange looking, probably mutants. Uh, they don't respond to her. She climbs back up. Checks to see, hey, is Rom dead? Okay, writing my report as we kind of read through it. She dead, mm-hmm. basically the report. As the final, uh, or almost one of the final panels we get, is this truck that's just kind of broken down old, probably been there for a, a jillion years, and everyone is gathered around it. And you yeah. see these three cloaked figures, these fates. And the first person says, the child within... On your knees, on your knees, worship the child. They're on the child, on the child, the child, the child. And uh, listen, one of these hags, she lifts up that child. And whether she's gaining sight beyond sight or that she now has the power or that, you know, it's some kind of baby based quickening. Everyone's pretty like excited by this. And as Cassandra looks on, grud on a gurn or on a greenie. And then she, in like this almost photo photorealistic panel, the mm-hmm. child, and she's thinking the child. And that's how 
Uh, well, next Prague, basically. And it, it was just this yeah. really interesting thing that's happening. I should say interesting point is that Anderson says in her report that she gathered up Rom's body and headed straight back home. There's mm-hmm. no mention of what we're seeing here of her following these hooded figures, this weird spot and seeing this crazy uh, uh, thing with this baby and stuff. Exactly. So the next we see her, there's a bunch of kind of laissez-faire dudes watching the wall, bunch of guns, and they see Cassandra Anderson riding, riding up, looking pretty filthy. She's got a dead body tied to the front. And look, Rom didn't want to come along real quietly, so she's done. They yell at her to take the stiff, and she's like, listen, I brought her in, you scrub her down, and I, I just want to say... This is just a a a, a real uh, personal thank you to David Roach. Um, you know, she needs to take a shower. Just saying thank you. Uh, no reason. But <laughs> So as she's taking a shower, she once again gets this inkling that fucking someone's watching her. And she turns around. No one there. She's screaming. And uh, listen, guy walks in, one of the judges, checking on her why she's screaming uh, and is completely stunned by her nudity. Uh, and I guess they just don't cover that in, in the Academy. <laughs> yeah, Judge Rowley gets an eyeful for sure. Oh, man. it's uh, it, it was just funny because it's one of those, uh, da, 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 uh, I don't know, you know, really. She's like, what? You've never seen a judge before? A naked judge before? I See? mean, they don't, they don't prepare <laughs> you for those, those situations, I guess. Yeah. So listen, she's having a debrief later. She's getting grilled a little bit. But she starts, uh, things start getting a little grainy, a little shaky. She sees a man in a fedora saying Anderson, and it's the guy debriefing her. It's like, hey, what's what the fuck's going on? Like, you seem mm-hmm. to space out or something. And she's just, uh, you know, I guess I'm a little dizzy. Hey, listen, why don't you go take a rest? So she's going back to quarters. And suddenly, as she's about to turn a corner, you see a judge coming up. And she's like, motherfucker, I don't know who you are. Starts, And again, there's this fedora kind of trench coated person. She just starts beating the shit out of him and shout out to the fact that even though she's wearing kind of, you know, medical or relaxation clothes, she's still got a, got knee pads on, you know, yeah. got to be classy. Gotta even pro- Got to protect those knees. I should say also, it's not super clear in the art here, mm-hmm. but I believe that these guys are, that these figures with the fedoras and these trench coats also kind of have these like smiling masks mm. covering their whole faces as well. Oh, interesting. But that's a little harder. Like they're they're, they're going to kind of she'll mention that later when questioned, but it doesn't really come through in the art as well. Just that gotcha. This kind of looks like they have weird faces as opposed to wearing masks. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. But that's a uh, uh, like that. There, it's like a full face mask, kind of like a Guy Fox in a way, or is it just the yeah. bottom half? I think it's just kind of like a full face covering mask, just have kind of like a smiling face. I guess. Got it. So listen, she just kicked the shit out of a judge. She comes to kind of and sees that she kicked the shit out of a judge. A bunch of other judges are coming rushing up like, the fuck's going yeah, on? Like, but the I heard hallucination- fighting. what's going on? Yeah. Exactly. The, hallucin- the hallucinations kick in and she's screaming at him. They're freaking out. And uh, so explain this to me, Connor. She doesn't get shot in the side of the head. I'm guessing that's like She a does, but she gets hit by a stun shot in the uh, side I got of the head. You. So, and as she's kind of passing out, you see these these three figures who are clearly the judges who were around her, but they look like these characters. And as she comes to, she's in the med bay. And everyone's just fucking grilling her. And <clears throat> listen, given the state that she's in, they're calling her a hazard to the division. 
and they're yeah. going to suspend her from duty. But really what that means is they're going to uh, just inject her without her being okay with it with some sleepy time juice uh, and go in for what's called a cyprobe. And while, you know, listen, they're they're worried about her. They think that she's a risk. Uh, the big reveal here is what the fuck a cyprobe looks like, Conrad. Mm-hmm. This is fucked. Yeah. Just floating naked in a big in a big globe with a bunch of needles coming out of you. Like in the worst kind of places. And next, Prague, on the inside. <laughs> so I, I love the setup to this because I can kind of guess where it's going, where it, it is this sort of no one believes me. They think I'm going crazy um, situation effectively, right? Like, or at least I think it's going in that direction. And... That's not just a real fear, but uh, like what what I do like about it, because I've had talks with my sisters about this, like sometimes like people just don't believe you because you're a lady and you're lady crazy, mm -hmm. uh, or at least they kind of like throw that at you like, oh, it's this or it's that and, and just kind of dismiss it. Um, and I, I think like a lot of people can can kind of feel or, or at least empathize with this sort of situation where um, you're not crazy, man. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's one thing I want to mention that um, was um, as they sort of go to take Anderson to the uh, Cyprobe, mm -hmm. um, the, these two judges, uh, Schenker and another one, kind of talk uh, – side judge Hine. They talk – they basically say that like some side judges just kind of collapse under pressure and stuff. Especially the they top ones. Yeah, they mention Judge Corey's death, but then they are also sort of hint at something that might be hidden deeper in Anderson's past in her personnel file, and they make a big deal of like, "Do you think she knows?" And they're like, "No, she doesn't know. She she doesn't know about that yet." So, so they're kind of psychically so, blocking her, as she might have been blocking it herself potentially. Yeah, there's some sort of. It seems like there might be some sort of mystery in Anderson's past that's being hidden as well. I, that could I, be part of all this. I'm loving these. Anderson Anderson stories, man. They're they're on such like a, a different level, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think they're really letting Alan Grant sort of tell these emotional deeper, tales, more complicated emotional tales with Anderson these days. For I, sure, I, just, I I love it, and I, it's yeah, it's just like it's such a gem whenever I read these because he, yeah, I'm really interested to see where it goes. Like I'm hooked, and also I am terrified for whatever the fuck that machine is doing. Definitely. I want to say also um, another sort of telling detail here maybe mm -hmm. is just um, the name of this story, Engram. That's yep. a term that is either it's like um, like a unit of like a, a, the concept of like what happens in the brain when it changes when a memory is created, I guess. Oh, well, that's like, interesting. It's sort of a semi-theoretical concept of how memories are stored in the brain. And because they're also linked to memory, that is also, of course, the big thing that you're looking for when you get scanned or whatever in Scientology and stuff like that as well. <laughs> gotta gotta check those thetans for your engram. Uh, yeah, you gotta or remove. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You you process engrams to get rid of thetans. Is my understanding of how that works. Oh, that's but uh, God, that's it's, terrifying. It's, it's jet, but like generally, it's sort of if you're getting eso, like it's the concept of memory within the brain in sort of an esoteric kind of sense. I, I did not know that, and I, I think that really fits what's going on because the, I mean, the, I think 
like Shambhala or something, mm-hmm. I think it is one of these things where, or, or Triad also might be one of oh, these yeah. things where knowing the title might be a little bit of a, of a hint as to where we're going with this stuff. Mm-hmm. But still, I think sort of an interesting thing to know. I mean, I that, guess. that was the, I think kind of the, the, the kind of smart subterfuge of like Triad, like how they, lettered it like triad yeah, yeah, was yeah. like oh no, no, that was definitely the big the big the big fake out there for sure mm. ah, it's so good man i'm so excited for where this goes but speaking yeah. of things that i'm uh less excited about <laughs> i mean it might be salvageable oh thrill four oh junker more like <laughs> bunker more like junk yeah <laughs> <laughs> so listen we got a script robot. Man's name is Michael Fleischer. That's we right. got some we got some art robots here. We got that Ridgeway Perkins situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, John it's John Ridgeway drawing and I believe Tim Perkins coloring is my understanding. Cool. I, I yeah, sorry. Did not know that. Um <laughs> and then uh, lettering robots. Uh Eve so I I didn't see what Efel stood for but also Tom Frame. Yeah, I think that might be either just once a one-time stand-in or maybe even like a pseudonym or something like that. Okay. So listen, uh, Conrad, there is a tone that I'm going to take with this. Um, we're back with these guys again, and I forgot that they trashed their ship on Mad Max Planet. Um, oh, yeah. So the Mad Max people are taking their stuff, and the chief uh, of this thrift store group uh, starts to open the weird box uh, only to get tackled by like uh, Dennehy. Yeah, that's the that's um, the junker guy himself. So brawling then ensues, but they hoof it uh, into the hovels of of the area around, commenting rudely that they're like living in the Stone Age. Which I mean, you know, you don't know their life. Um, <laughs> as they continue to run, uh, they run into exactly uh, where they were going to be taken anyway to be used for blood sport. And the coolest part of this entire comic is the giant murder orb um, oh, yeah. robot. Like that thing just shooting lasers and being a badass orb robot. It's huge. Um, but for some reason... Yeah, it's, they... an, it's an R96 LEM <sighs> unit. A laserized external maintenance unit. One of the, another one of these three-word acronyms that Fleischer <sighs> loves so much. So for some reason, they say the type of robot it is. And for some reason, they explain it's a welding robot. And I guess that Dungarees knows uh, like how to make it shoot the slavers instead. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, then they shoot the slaver or the robot shoots at the slaver. So they run again. But then some guards find them. But it's only two of them. So they beat them up. But the, right. the blue lady kind of like walks away. But then a guy covers her mouth and duty free knocks him in the back of the head. So it's fine. <laughs> but then he acts like a dick. But then. Yeah, because uh, she, was, she was going to find that crystal flower thing. That's sort of the big MacGuffin here. They, and she found it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, sna- she found it. Yeah. You know, she she gets the standard storehouse and Dennehy, it turns out, was there because he was, you know, he had to get his gun as well. That kind of stuff. Like I said, he acts like a total jerk off. Oh, yeah. hundred um, percent. But then they like leave uh, to their ship, which is just there. Yeah. 
uh, and then they get in the ship and they fly up, but then there's the Corsairs of the Dark Nebula. And I mean, we've all been through that phase where we name shit like Dragonfire XXL or what the fuck ever. <laughs> yeah, these are a bunch of fucking edgelord pirates, buddy. <sighs> I mean, like, I get it, man. Sometimes you're just stuck with your hotmail name. Um, but then it turns out, like, all the pirates are dead on the ship, and then suddenly their ship is rolling, which is bad, but then Dumbledore fixes it, like, immediately in, in the immediate next panel, and then he wants to scavenge the wreck, and then uh, he gets into a Ripley power loader, except it's way more bulky and doesn't look 100%. super helpful. I doesn't look super helpful. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then he says he doesn't trust the blue lady because she's a lady, uh, even though she wants to pay him like a jillion creds. And he's just, I guess he just wants to rip stuff up. But then um, they turn things on in the ship. And then like this really cool green beard Corsair captain gets alerted for it, which is also the, the dark boy Corsair Nebula guys. Yeah, they're um, partners of that ship that's been destroyed. So right. Sure. Like, someone um, else, like this lost ship just turned back on, but everybody in there is dead. Who could it be? Probably no good salvagers. <laughs> I mean, but then I guess like... Um, uh, Hibblebop, uh, he- he- Sean Hannity has a flashback um, to like what he actually loved, which he specifically calls a harbor cop, which I mean like, hey man, like live your truth. Um, and then we see him catch some smugglers in the past. And then we see his wife who like hates him and hates being the wife of a harbor cop, which oh, yeah. I mean like... If you love being a harbor cop, but like then married a lady who fucking hates harbor cops, it feels really dissonant to me. And then he's like back she in the present. hates being on the frontier, you know, she's a, a fancy town lady or something like I that. Mean, you know? But then maybe don't marry like a guy who's a harbor cop or maybe he shouldn't marry. One of well, whatever. Yeah. Listen, happens all the time, you know. Uh, so listen, now he's back in the present instead of thinking about uh, like his harbor cop life and his not so happy married life um but now there's pirate people here um and conrad i like is junker just about things happening i mean yeah pretty much i mean it like <laughs> wasn't there this whole like plot about a glowing box and some like flowers that only the fucking super uh, see like, now you sound line. like now you sound like VJ, but you're like, no, take me to a hab station, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm so, a lady. Like, it's, it's more of just like plot. that. I, I'm just and saying. He's like, no, I got to make this. I got to do this side quest. I got to make this extra money for just I, in case. I mean, listen, I played The Witcher 2 and I'm all about that side quest life. But, you know, uh, I mean, I didn't drop the entire plot just to like punch monsters in a cave for the rest of nah, the time. listen, listen. This guy, he's just taken 20 extra hours to play Gwent before he goes talks to go talk to the Bloody Butcher. You know, that's just how it goes. <sighs> you know, when you put it like that, it, it Bloody feels... Bloody Baron. Excuse me. It really feels like like I understand it better now, but I, I also <laughs> I also feel like... Uh, it just... This whole thing feels aimless to me, man. And I... Uh, yeah. Like, it just feels like things happening, and he feels like such a jerk, and the monkey's kind of cool sometimes, and the lady is just 
like generic like sci-fi lady that just yeah. says stuff basically yeah we've sort of you know we've had kind of two action sequences to sort of set you up and now we're kind of taking a break for a low impact situation wherein we're going to get Danahy's backstory basically <sighs> i don't want to know about him being a harbor cop you're going to find out buddy god that's i mean I, maybe it's the most interesting it sounds super boring I'm so yeah, sorry, not, uh, Dungaree Derby. Definitely not that. Definitely not that exciting. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I loved being a beat cop, just walking down the sidewalk, looking at stuff, then turning in for the day after eight hours of walking. It's yeah. amazing. What a life, you know. <laughs> Listen, I could keep talking about Junger, but do you know what I really want to talk about? Ooh, what's that? Thrill five. Our future. Yucks. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, you know, uh, we're workshopping it. <laughs> so listen. Sounds good to me. Uh, uh, listen, our first one is Digby Trench. Come on down. It's with uh, yeah. script robot uh, B. Williamson. Art robot. Uh, Brian S- Williamson. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, art robot Simon Jacob. And lettering robot our boy uh, Timmy Timmy Frame. So listen, I'm feeling this guy. He's coming uh-huh. home after work, feeling like real shit, feeling real tired, feeling kind of sick. And like his single reward is um, like completely unable to cancel like a dinner with uh, like in-laws, which yeah, I feel that's like. the worst. Well, I feel like. Or so you know, or so you, sitcoms have led me to believe. <laughs> it, this, is, this is the exact situation where you should be allowed to call it off. You're like, I feel like shit. They can figure it out. Like you're an adult and they're adults. But no. You, they've got to come over, and they're just going to call him clumsy and make fun of him, uh, fun of his like clearly taxing chemical-based job, and call him like a janitor. And man, that is so rad. After you come home and you're like just totally yeah. fucked off about it. Yeah, so, sorry for having a job that's paying for the food that you're eating right now. Yes, yeah, in my party, house jerk. that you came to, right? <laughs> like, so he does exactly like I think the the kind of cool thing to do as a person is just like, I'm going to excuse myself. I'm going to go fucking take a bath instead of hearing this bullshit. Um, Mm -hmm. Gets into the water, immediately starts melting into a goo monster um, that then begins amalgamating the flesh of these dollar store people. Um, (laughs) He then, I I mean, like cops are called and whatever, but he escapes down a toilet. And I mean, you could know the rest about the police coming and whatever, but the end of the story, he turns into a malicious rain cloud, a rain cloud that rains yeah. acid down on everyone. And man, I guess he's just like an eldritch horror now. And I feel like I'm really happy for him. Definitely. Yeah. Best ending for sure. Happy ending. So, you know, what I'm going to say is that instead of uh, instead of air horns, we're going to have like that children like, yay, or maybe like a, like a, like a, just a nice clap. Like good for you, man. Oh, you bastard. Okay, fine. Uh, you don't I'll have to find that. You uh, like. Oh, you've said it now. I got to do it. God All right. damn it. <laughs> I'm so sorry, future Conrad. I should. No problem. Hey, I should say also, um, so like we were talking about earlier with Brigand Doom mm-hmm. and how we're sort of going to full color, basically. What it means is that my theory is that for the next couple, the next like I'm gonna say like two or like three, two or three months, include like after this month as well. Yeah, is they're just sort of burning off all their old black and white future shocks, basically. So there are no more we, future shocks. I no no, they'll definitely be there, but Son they'll be in bitch. color and stuff. Like no. once, 
for especially right after it makes the switch, once 2000 AD goes full color, they don't really want to print a ton of black and white stuff for a while. I mean, they're just to kind of at that point, yeah, right? to enjoy the color printing and stuff like that. And they, <laughs> you know, they always have these big and like especially the you know the way we know that these comics work, where they kind of have future shocks in the back for just in case. A lot of these ones, a lot of the future shocks, we're gonna like basically. Every prog's going to have a future shock for the next couple months. Okay. And um, a lot of them, like this one, like some other ones, are sort of by by writers especially that really haven't done that much stuff over the years. Like a lot of even folks were sort of these future shocks <laughs> are their one appearance in 2018. Um, and so it's sort of like – it's just sort of these were future shocks that might have been like in the vault for just in case or like we have no other choice. So here's something we might not be super happy about but like – you know, we've definitely paid for it and stuff. Oh, for and sure. Since they paid for it, you might as well print it. And so that's what we're going to kind of see over the next couple months. What's basically. blowing so my maybe- mind is that they were keeping these stacked behind. And, and like, I liked like two, maybe three of these future shocks, which is pretty yeah, rare I mean, for me. There's some, there's some decent ones for sure. But I think also with these ones are mm-hmm. often slightly longer future shocks as well. I- so they're a little harder to kind of find space for in the comic oh, that they true. aren't sort of a, their own dedicated section. I mean, that's that's also what surprised me is like how much I enjoyed them for being long. And, you know, my general rule. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, a little bit. This is kind of um, maybe the start of that transition that I think we had a fight about a little while ago, which was basically the idea of a future shock of the potential of a future shock to be like something that has merit on its own and that can be judged in the same category as a regular thrill as opposed to just being there to take up space basically like that's not the only purpose of a future shock increasingly Mm. oh i mean like certainly with these i enjoyed them they were in addition you know um okay that's good yeah the last time we had this discussion you got very angry and said future shocks are only there to take up space (laughs) i mean i i do feel like that just because i like continuity but these ones uh, there were certain ones that caught my attention this one and and well let's actually let's let's get to the next one which is treasured companions yeah uh, which is uh jim clements uh as the script robot uh art robot ron smith lettering gordon robson as kid robson so hey listen a couple goes off they're going to have dinner at their friend's house. And I mean, I I guess he's friends with this guy, but the dude just like bad mouths him the entire time. Or no, it's not with a lady, but it's with his uh, guy. No, guy it seems friend. like it. Yeah, it seems like it's sort of they might like basically all it seems like all these guys went to the same like uh, like a fancy upper crust mm-hmm. school because they kind of talk about school ties in it and stuff like that. So it might be like maybe like these two, like this couple that it's two dudes that like work together and like one's like the older boss and one's like kind of a semi nepotism hire kind oh, of for thing. Sure. You know these you know these what these upper crust types are like, buddy. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, well, I guess like where it really peeves me off is they're just like, oh, he he fucking spins too much yarn, and I'm like. Yeah, man, but like, like, why even then go to his house and then eat his food? And then they they drive up, and it's like clearly he has a mansion. And their their reaction is, well, we can stomach some stories for a meal. Huh. Like I'm like, well, like fuck you, man. Uh, so they're met by his robo butler, which the man can afford a robo butler, um, and rich guy Fogarty personally then welcomes them and explains like, listen, I attained all this wealth from like a recent venture. 
Um, and we'll talk about that story later, which clearly probably, uh, you know, pisses that guy off in some way. What then happens is that we start getting like this two narrative story that's kind of interesting. So he's telling the story from his perspective about like, oh, it, it was a venture in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was actually happening was there were some bank robbers effectively, who then hijacked his kind of like space car or whatever, ended up crashing on a planet, um, and he was super wimpy the whole time. They then (laughs) see smoke, they find a tribe, the tribe has a diamond fish, um, they're like, where the fuck did you get that? They point towards the river, they're going down the river, they put their hands in the river, the river is what turns you into... Uh, they get turned into crystals or diamonds or yeah, something. Yeah, effectively like diamonds. They both get shoved in. He brings them back and like, um, like, oh, you know, so you got all this money, you're set up for this. And he's like, listen, man, I'm going to show you guys. And I, I, I fucking low-key think he was doing this on purpose. I really, like, that's my Well, they're like, that's my they're narrative. like oh, so, so your buddies fell into the river and turned to crystal. So presumably they died and you stole that fish and got rich off of that, right? And he's like, no, sir. I, I like my my narrative on this is that he low key knew that that this dude was a piece of crap and he's like oh no let me bring you down to where they are and I'm just shaving pieces off of them in order to pay for things yeah he pulled his buddies out of the river and now he's just been shit cutting chips off of them to make money and it's very clear <laughs> from when they see them down there that those dudes are crystal and still alive and they're in their crystal coffins it is so good like uh, it's. It's it's so like nonchalant evil, and it's like, yeah, bitch, I'll throw you into a, a crystal river and just cut pieces off of you. Yeah, Ugh, it was very lovely. I loved it. So hey, listen, <laughs> our next one, Blossom. Yeah. Oh God, Blossom. This yeah, is very uh, special episode. Oh yes. <laughs> I I understand your ref. Whoa. Um, script robot uh, Francis Lynn. Uh, art robot Stuart Jeanette. And a lettering robot, Tom Frame. So listen, below Epsom Downs, which from what I looked at was is a racetrack, but not yeah. where bath bombs are harvested from the spa mines. Um, <laughs> a, a government has like a, a secret black site. And you see this dude like donning a laser tag vest and like they say he's like preparing for battle as he enters the room of the patient Blossom. Mm. saying that she has nothing to worry about i'm your friend and like conrad shit gets weird there's this like sexual tension with them and they're like kind of acting attracted to each other and then he then he starts to listen to her heartbeat and check her pupil dilation and then she spits in his eyes so he punches her and this is all just like i like i don't understand and then quote she cried for hours yeah um he then returns later with chow, um, food or wh- whatever. You don't call normal shit like food to eat chow. Um, and you she don't, a- maybe. I mean, like, well, that's... Listen, man. <laughs> Get your chow. That's what I say <laughs> whenever I'm getting food. So she My just chow asked, time, boys. <laughs> I want that chowder. <laughs> uh, so she has to be unstrapped because she wants to feed herself and is completely denied, uh, which, woof, I mean, man... You did just punch that woman in the face. Um, So he instead starts to feed her. And she's kind of being like, you know, kind of rejecting it. So he forces his fingers into her mouth uh, while she recites some spider-based poetry, effectively. Um, (laughs) 
She then bites off his fingers, hypnotizes him. Um, clearly, she's actually a spider thing and eats him and then screams for another doctor. And this whole thing feels uncomfortable. I like air Turns horns. Into a, into, a, into a great big monster and just eats that dude. So I think instead of air horns, we need like a, a, a The Price is Right losing horn. But like we all lose. This is <laughs> No, big. man. Come on. Listen. They'll, these dames, they'll yell at you eat you and then want somebody else that's how it is with women alien or otherwise (laughs) these dames yeah can't live with them no resale value and i mean they're gonna eat your fingers so (laughs) no resale value jesus um all right so we're on our last one you ready for this buddy this is bone shaker Script robot Nicholas Barber, art robot Tim uh, Tim Perkins, lettering robot Jack Potter, and listen. Bone Shaker, we had to consult the bones. But Conrad, the bones say nothing. Whoa! Solving, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, They need to solve a housing problem, so they call a Professor Mantell, who, uh, like, believes he's expected. He's a paleontologist? Yep. To Which uh, is exactly who I guess you would call on for a future-facing housing crisis? Well, like, you know, you call a paleontologist because you're digging through stuff and sometimes things get turned up. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of dinosaur bones and shit have been found over the years just because they've sort of been digging foundations for buildings and they find some, you know, again, fucking dinosaur bones down I, there or whatever. I just, it, well, it seemed like, at least how it entered in and what you're saying makes more sense. It, it just seemed like how they introduced it was, we have a housing crisis, so we've called on this guy. Um, yeah, as opposed it's just to they kind found of a gem- Yeah, no, just sort of like, yeah, like we're sort of looking for stuff and something weird happens. We called somebody. It's it's, it's the same plot, actually, of uh, Fiends of the Eastern Front, if you recall. Oh, yeah. But that, that was an amazing comic. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, it's the difference between alien skeletons and fucking Nazi vampires, <laughs> of course. <laughs> alien skeletons, so passe. So, listen, we're being shown a skeleton and uh, using a... Uh, a Geiger counter for reasons. Um, he demands that he is given a time machine and a gun. I love that. Um, That's which, really cool. Which, as we know, are paleontological tools. Yes. In extreme <laughs> situations. So he goes back to, like, I don't know, headquarters to get clearance, I guess. But they say time, like, traveling back in time is illegal. Um, and then he just, like, lies and says he just wants to study something and like i mean i think i think this is why it's illegal because people would just lie and then use time machines so then yep. he just kills that guy and gets That's in a right. time machine and then goes to like dinosaur times and then gets i guess like pterodactyl murdered well so yeah find- uh, well you're 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 leaving out the spot the part where basically in the ground beneath this housing development, he finds this weird alien, three-eyed alien skeleton. And so he's like, this skeleton's like nothing we've ever seen before. And if it's brought to light, it'll completely fuck up all the uh, stuff that we've got for the historical fossil record and stuff. So, so the only way to fix it is to go back in time and kill all these and kill all these weirdos and destroy all their bodies so they can never be found, basically. But you're making but, my ultimate point, which is that there is a secret cabal of Alan Grant's who travel through time and are hell-bent on erasing their footprints and 
other footprints into the past in order to ensure a very specific historical record. That's right. Don't trust a yes. paleontologist, bam, bam, bam. It's the non-reptilians trying to mess us up. But then, you know, but so he goes back in time and kills all these weirdo, all these weirdo alien things. But in turn, he gets killed by a pterodactyl. And so now in the alternate reality, he's created some paleontologist, sees a human skeleton in the uh, in the stones and is like, I need a time machine and a gun as well. So I, I, I love this. On so many levels, but specifically just the phrase, I need a time machine and a gun, which just needs Definitely. to be in more things, that phrase. I mean, that'd be a really great just like opening section of like a video of like a time travel video, like first person oh shooter video God. game or something like that. Where it's just sort of like like a tough protagonist looking out, seeing weird stuff happening, and then saying, I need a time machine and a are, gun. Are you and a, then he kind of goes back in time and shoots people. Are you a bad enough dude to erase specific parts of history in order to form your own narrative? Yeah, are you bad enough dude to shoot the president 200 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> All this and more. Um, my dude, we have crawled to the top of the mountain. Mount Conrad, as it was. Me. Conrad, the mountain. And I must ask you... Mount 720 to 715. Listen, my baby. I have to ask you, my foxy, foxy boy, what were your top and bottom thrills? Woo, boy. Okay. Couple... There's a lot going on in this one. Uh, Let me Mm -hmm. think for a moment. Let me... Let me... Let me consult with my research assistant, Mr. Smirnoff, here. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I'll I'll choose you. Uh, uh, Dr. Ah. Minakov is is right next to me. Okay bottom junker don't like that no sir <laughs> it's real bad uh top Ooh. if we can think back that far i'm gonna say judge dread this month i really like this uh death aid story um mm. like like i i know you said you didn't like it that much but i really do like these quick cuts between dread investigating and just all these random killers wandering the city taking people out and stuff like that maybe it was just hard to write for it i guess maybe that was my preoccupation oh yeah listen listen it is these quick cut stories are a bitch to recap but i do think they're really fun to read Mm -hmm. and just create this overwhelming sense of just all these different thing things happening at once the judges have to deal with and stuff so that's real cool I also like the death aid concept, and oh, I yeah. do feel like this is a very sort of Garth Ennis kind of story that I think does make, make him seem like a good Judge Dredd choice because mm. this does feel like that merger of the serious and the silly that I think some of the best Judge Dredd stories are able to communicate. Oh, I mean, you know? calling something death aid alone, like... I mean, yeah, it's a, it's I mean, a chortle and then there's also carnage the whole time, right? Yeah, and it's such a funny thing to have sort of fr- from sort of to from Christmas to U- New Year's 1990, 1991, just because, you know, this is coming off several years of live aids at Christmas time and stuff. So that's all very, like, very cool. I also just like... um like you talked a little bit, the blending together of some of these larger myth arc dread stories we've mm-hmm. been dealing with. You know, the involvement, you know, Yasa going home and uh, Blondel Dupree sort of talking about the democracy movement and stuff. I, think I love those heartbeats, really, man. 
Yeah, it really does kind of situate this within a specific period of Judge Dredd, and I think that's a really nice writing piece as well. This is this one really feels like Ennis's coming out party for Judge Dredd, um, and so I think he's doing a good job with this version here in the Prox. Well, and, and clearly like understands and takes seriously what's going on to bring it back in and kind of sew those pieces in while you're watching effectively an action movie, you know? Yeah. And, it, and a man oh, did yeah, exploding no, I mean, get turned into a face robot, so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, more than a lot of Judge Dredd plots, this is one that you could easily turn into, like, a contemporary action movie. Oh, absolutely. You know, with, like, just random people killing people for Oh, my for God, please make another Judge Dredd movie with uh, uh, Carl Urban and, like, and, and, like, make it Death Aid. Ugh. <laughs> It'd be interesting. I don't know if our current, if that 2012 version of Dread really could, you know, I don't think it has enough of a humor basis, I guess. But interesting to see it for sure. Fox. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. What are hey. your tops and bottoms here, uh, buddy? And X, I, I must say, before you do that, I really want to thank you for taking the wheel for this episode. You did a great job, man. This is an excellent. I think this is a fun episode, and I think everybody else will feel the same. Hey, man, listen. From from one Conrad to a currently not Conrad, but a Conrad. Uh, you know, we do hard work as Conrads, and um, sometimes one Conrad just uh, you know needs a break. Happy happy to uh, wear this very beautiful and it's a, a velour, uh, sparkling purple cape. It's very nice. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> All right, but seriously though, buddy, tops and bottom thrill. What tops and bots? What do you got oh, for me? I mean, baby, junkers at that bottom. I do not like it. I do not. I like just. Uh, you don't even have to pick a plot thread, but make it like thing a week then. Uh, but choose something, and also make this mm. guy likable. It's like if uh, Beyond Zero or any of the zeros were just bad, mm. you know? Because like Zero is just a likable dude, even though he's a little bit gruff. He's also not a, a complete shit. Uh, right, right. So it's very much, it's very much what everybody who's not us feels like feels about beyond be, be up, feels about Night Zero. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. I've gotten a, I've gotten a moderate amount of pushback for our enjoyment of that series. For the record. <sighs> well, all I have to say is uh, cyberpunk nights uh, beating up a car. But anyway, yeah. Um, listen, man. Top. <sighs> So I'm going to I'm going to throw out a special mention in this one, which is I enjoyed Rogue Trooper like visually the storytelling was fun. Like I enjoyed looking at it and I understood what was going on. Uh, I mean, obviously, I read the text, but it like I think it did a really good job. And I wanted to give it props for that. Not my top. Um, I want Anderson to be my top, but I feel like. I want it to unfold a little bit more. The The breadcrumb trail is there. And so, mm. my dude, you know what that leaves me with. Oh. You're goddamn right, it's Dread. Oh, shit. So, I think I think this feels like a, a solidarity month, Foxy boy. Fantastic. Listen, when when bros agree, that's uh, what you can hope for, you know, oh, the oh, best also, possible options. Good good job, Future Shocks, for not... Like, I mean, it's it, like I... I I don't know the last time I I praised Future Shocks, <laughs> but I'm doing it now, and uh, it, it it feels strange. But listen, Conrad, I'm taking off this cape. I'm bequeathing it back to you. However, please allow me to close out this episode and inform some of our some of our lovelies out there. Like, listen, hope you all yeah. enjoyed the show. Oh, and as yeah. always, 
You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free place. to con- <laughs> Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're Space Spinner or at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000 and you know we're going to be there. We're the only ones. Yeah, buddy. We're the bright boys. And listen, this show is brought to you by Steve Green, Zane Kip Miller, and your friends on the 2080 forums. And if you'd like mm-hmm. to join them and help support the show and like, trust me when I say like, it's very worth it and I am definitely not biased and uh, definitely trustworthy, uh, we truly appreciate it. I know I would and I'm Conrad. <laughs> Please check okay. out please check out our Patreon at patreon.com uh, backslash Cradleline. That's our podcast network. Um, there you can support the show, receive uh, a ton of excellent rewards, including, you know, advanced episodes, uh, uh, coverage of Modern 2000 AD uh, and the Meg, and even monthly Q&As with the both of us, me, Fox, and that guy, Conrad, and... Come back next week as yeah. we as as some things that I am personally unaware of occur. Conrad chooses the form of the destructor, and all the beans in the world turn into your least favorite beans. Until yeah, then, come, oh. yeah, come back next time as we'll get some death aid interludes. Judge Anderson gets scanned. Rogue Trooper gets Foxy, and we'll start a brand new thrill: the sci-fi mystery Brigand Doom. I mean, there's that. But let me tell you, until then, my man, I'm Master Venito Cornelius Applegate. He is Goddard Hellbath Madison, and we are Space Spinner 2000. All right. Stretch it out. I am going to talk a lot. Oh, right. Let me put a little bit of water in this wine. I'm being very uh, Macedonian today. Whoa. Yeah. Game of Thrones. All right. Uh, I prefer uh, um, Agamemnon. Thank you very much. The father of of one of the greatest uh, whatever. (laughs) Alexander the Okay. Yeah, it's dad, no, Agamemnon. No, no, that's not. A- a- mm-hmm. Alexander's dad was Philip, Philip the Great. Really? Yeah. Then who was Agamemnon? Agamemnon, Agamemnon was the leader of the army of Tr- uh, the, oh, the Greek right. army that attacked Troy. Bitch, you stole my wife. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He no, that his brother was the guy whose wife was stolen, Menelaus. But Agamemnon was like the was like a king that was he was the king of Sparta, so he had all the soldiers and shit. (laughs) You know That's what it was. One one day he was like you have to do drunk history. I swear to God. His brother was like, bro, like my wife got stolen by some at like this is literally just the movie Troy or whatever, but like literally, you know, (laughs) my wife got stolen by some asshole from Troy, and Agamemnon was like Listen, that's like a slight, and we're the two badass bro kings of Greece. This can't stand. We're going to so, Legolas and Gimli the shit out of these people. We're going to go right over there and kick their asses. 
and like, but then there was a problem because so like, you know, when you're talking about Agamemnon being a parent, <laughs> you're missing out the fact that like one, he's most famous because or one of the things he's famous for is that when they tried to leave for Troy, they didn't have the wind like, you know, the wind was blowing into them and they didn't know how to sail into the wind at that point. So he had to sacrifice his own daughter, Ephigenia, to get Jesus. a fair wind for Troy. Which definitely 100% worked, I'm sure. It did work. Fuck you. <laughs> it was and a hard then, decision, um, but it worked. And, but, then, uh, but, then, but, then, but then because he did that, his wife, Clytemnestra, was real pissed about it, got a real hair up her ass her. about it. Oh, yeah. And so, well, I mean, it was while, her daughter. Yeah, whatever, you know, come oh, on. <laughs> but while Agamemnon was in, while he was in <laughs> Troy for 10 years, she started cheating on him with some other dude. And then when Agamemnon came back, she like plotted to kill Agamemnon, Clytemnestra did. But instead, her, like their son killed her and her lover. And then he got real, he was like, because he'd killed his mom, he goes haunted by the Furies for a long time. And no it's a whole fucking thing. Also, also the worry about or the uh, when Agamemnon came back from Troy, he came back with just to bring this back to dread. He, he brought it back the uh, the priestess Cassandra, who was uh, prophesying that things would be fucked up when he got back home, and he didn't listen to her. And then things she were the fucked up. Of, of the, yeah, the she was also like a, like a princess of Troy as yeah. well. All kinds of stuff. Concubine or not direct, right? Uh, I, I, I when forget. someone becomes an oracle, it's literally just female castration without the removal of ovaries. Yeah, like, you know. Or it's like I where Cleopatra sends her sister to get the fuck out of here. The Orestean. Yeah, it's all fucking. You know, this cataloged. is all staying in, right? Thank you, in future or- Conrad. This is all in the Orestia trilogy of plays. All right, like I saw those when I was when I was a teenager. Very cool at the Berkeley Rep. Fox, go to hell. Future right. Conrad, future Conrad. This is all staying in. Thank you. I'll make a. I'll it. make a. I'll make a note of of just Conrad. I might put it at the end of the show. Yeah, of course. Drunk history with Conrad. It's um. Could be coming this, to a crowdline I mean, network near you. I mean, qu- the the historicity of all this stuff's questionable, buddy. <laughs> Man, certainly, you, you certainly really dr- that one. Certainly, drunken mythology. You know, well, approximate. Hey, speaking of being drunk, the second story, the second play in the Oresteia is called "The Libation Bearers." All right. Oh, the story of the drunken master, <laughs> but not the not the one with Jackie Chan, but like uh, you know, where that where that guy's brother basically becomes an asshole and he learns from his teacher how to do drunk kung fu. Sure. Oh man, we're really hitting all the high notes. Hey man, you know we haven't been doing it. <laughs> And I'm not saying that we should, um, but I Never. think that we could. Would you like I ain't to do doing it with me? Shit, 
I ain't doing shit, buddy. No, let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. All right. In your time. 